Hello there, everyone. Welcome to the show. We're going to do something a little different today. I just saw an amazing movie on Friday. And I'm itching to talk about it. Yes, this is a Star Wars podcast. But it's also a film podcast. And streaming. So join with me in a few minutes as we review Matt Reeves' The Batman. I am Vengeance. Hello there, everyone. And welcome to Page Turners They Were Not, my Star Wars podcast. But for today, we're a Batman podcast. Yes. Friday afternoon, I saw the Batman. Let me tell you, folks, this movie we had to wait for. Because the pandemic hit right in the middle of filming. And everything went to heck. And we finally got the movie. And let me tell you, it was worth the wait. Every bit of it. This was a magnificent film. To put it quite simply. So here's how it's going to go. In this half of the show. I am going to give you my overall thoughts, and then give you what I liked, and then give you what I didn't like, and then we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about a few more things. I'm sure the suspense is killing you. So, this movie, overall, I just got to say, what an experience. This is, in my mind, one of the best Batman films. I absolutely love that it's great, but it's also different. It's also different than the other ones. And... It has its own unique stamp on it. And that's difficult to do nowadays. Because we've had so many Batman movies, it's hard to put a unique stamp on it. And Matt Reeves, the director, does a fantastic job of doing just that. So overall, I love this film. I think it is extraordinary. I was very, very satisfied and very pleased with that. And I cannot wait to see where we go next. So, let us talk about 
what I liked. All right. Well, I got to begin with this. This may be the most visually stunning Batman film. In fact, I think as a superhero film, this might be one of the most beautifully photographed. Almost every shot in this movie is beautiful. It's quite literally every frame of painting. So, fantastic cinematography. In fact, let me find out who actually did the cinematography. So I can give credit where credit is due. But I gotta say, the yeah, Greg Frazier. Greg Frazier. The use of lighting in this movie is extraordinary. And what do you know, folks? This is the guy who did the cinematography for Zero Dark Thirty, Rogue One, Lion, Vice, and Dune. Well, that explains it right there, folks. In fact, interesting that he also did the cinematography for Rogue One. Because, and I'll get to that in a minute. But visually speaking, the scene when Batman is walking down the darkened hall and only the only light you get is the from people firing their guns. And you see Batman slowly coming down through the shadows. Reminded me of Darth Vader going down the hall in Rogue One. With the only light being from his lightsaber and the blasts of the the rebel troops. I should have known it was the same cinematographer. Should have known. Okay, beautifully photographed. We also need to talk about the score. Oh my goodness. Michael Giacchino, who composed The Incredibles, Ratatouille, won an Oscar for Up, also uh, composed the Star Trek reboots, which are great scores. This, my friends, I think is his best score. This is his best score. Speaking of Rogue One, he also he also composed for Rogue One. He also scored Rogue One. I mean, my goodness. That's two Rogue One connections in the Batman. The score is great. The, the main theme, which is extraordinary, played on several in, different instruments throughout the film, but it really conveys this sense of Batman 
as an unstoppable force that keeps coming. Taking his time, but he's going to get there, like a slasher villain. The main theme, Batman's theme, conveys that. So that's brilliantly ponderous. I love it. There's a beautiful harp theme for Catwoman, which is just gorgeous. And then there's the creepiest use of Ave Maria I've ever heard for the Riddler's theme. And boy, is the Riddler creepy in this, and the music helps with that. So, we gotta give a mention to Giacchino. This score is amazing. All right. Now let's jump to the cast. Oh, my word. I absolutely loved this cast. Robert Pattinson, or Pattinson, is the way. He is a perfect Batman. And I also like that he doesn't try to talk weird as Batman. And he has a nose hole, so it doesn't sound like he's, uh... His, his suit isn't covered underneath his nostrils, so it doesn't sound like he's... So he doesn't sound like he's got, like, you know, a cold or something. He is fantastic as Bruce Wayne and Batman. Both the emo Bruce Wayne and the Dark Knight, as it were. Yeah. Zoe Kravitz is a revelation as Catwoman. And Selena Kyle. Not only is Zoe Kravitz utterly gorgeous. I mean, utterly gorgeous. Skin, the hair, the eyes. Oh, my word. She's... I love her character. I love her... Just her... Who she is. It's just... It's great. I don't know what else I can really say other than she makes such a great partner for Batman. The chemistry they have together is fantastic. And her role in this story is quite significant. I would say she's almost a co-lead. Amazing. Jeffrey Wright as Lieutenant Gordon. Oh my word. Jeffrey Wright was in Hunger Games. He was in, he's in the um, streaming series Westworld. This guy is, keeps showing up in so many things, and he is marvelous. Andy Serkis is fantastic as Alfred. We don't get a lot of scenes with him, and we'll get to that in a minute, but he is great. He really is. He really fits the role, and he's, he's um, more than a butler type. In fact, he, do, he doesn't strike me as much of a butler. Not quite like the Michael Goff uh, version of or even Michael Caine version of Alfred. Uh, Andy Serkis feels to me more like Jeremy Irons version of Alfred. In the sense that he's more hands-on. 
Also, I, I like that Bruce Wayne is so messed up in this version that he almost just needs Alfred just to function. I really like that. I really do. Um, okay. Big one, my friends. Paul Dano as the Riddler. Oh my word, is he creepy. He is frightening. Now, Paul Dano, some of you may have seen him in There Will Be Blood as the over-the-top preacher, Eli Sunday. Or playing um, Brian Wilson in the Beach Boys uh, main guy in uh, Love and Mercy, which is a marvelous movie. He has played a variety of insane characters. This one takes the cake. This Riddler is creepy. This Riddler is totally nuts. And um, more than nuts, he is frightening. I mean, I was legitimately scared of this character. And he felt to me like very much like one of those serial killer types you'd see on shows like Mindhunter or whatever, you know. Because that's what he is this time around, is a serial killer. And very Zodiac killer, like, with the puzzles he sends to the police. The idea of sending Scythers, the idea of things like that. That's exactly what the Zodiac killer did in the 60s. Um, and, of course, the idea of the Riddler's mask is meant to, I think, be reminiscent of the Zodiac Killer's mask. So very much a David Fincher, you know, movies like Seven. Um, movies like Fight Club, movies like um, Zodiac. I think Matt Reeves is borrowing a bit from David Fincher. I also mention, we need to mention John Turturro as Carmine Falcone. He is wonderful and maybe doesn't get enough praise. John Turturro has been a marvelous actor for many years. In movies like Barton Fink, Do the Right Thing, and even The Big Lebowski, where he plays the bowler who calls himself the Jesus. Might be his most famous cult movie role. John Turturro as Carmine Falcone is marvelous. And I think that he really, really brings a lot. And then there's a lot of other people we could mention. Peter Sarsgaard is pretty good. But we need to mention particularly, last of all, Colin Farrell is the Penguin. Or as he calls himself, Oz. I don't think he likes being called the Penguin. He is fantastic. Unrecognizable under the makeup. The makeup is totally convincing. Penguin feels definitely more authentic, more like a, just a, you know, a, a rich guy associated with organized crime. The performance is great. Uh, and I think I got to say that all around, 
the performances in this movie are marvelous. Uh, we also need to mention the action scenes are fantastic in this movie. I was talking to a friend of mine this morning and I was saying that the cinematography really is great in the fight scenes because it doesn't do a lot of quick cutting. We have the editor to thank for that, but there's not a lot of quick cutting. And you can actually see what's going on in the fights. Now, we're so used to quick cutting in fight scenes that when you see a fight scene that doesn't have a lot of quick cutting, it almost seems boring. Because we're so used to the kinetic movement of the camera and the editing. But this movie, a lot of it plays out in in wide shots and you get to actually see the action go down and even though this movie has a lot of shadows you know a lot of dark shadows it's not hard to see what's going on see if there were a movie with a lot of darkness and the editing and the cinematography were very madcap you wouldn't be able to see what the heck was going on because of how visually dark this movie is, but because it's photographed in just the right, and, and edited in just the right way, you can see everything. I never was like, what's going on visually? I never had that problem. So, marvelous, marvelous stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of other things that are definitely worth mentioning. I love the bat suit. I really love the bat suit. I also love the Batmobile. Somebody described it as MacGyvered. It's like it's a MacGyvered car, and I like that. Yeah, that's what it is. And uh, car chase. Great car chase. <laughs> and great visual shots of the cityscape. And Gotham really comes alive. It feels real. Down on the street level, you see all the slummy garbage, and you know, it feels very much like a city. A lot of homeless, a lot of urban squalor. Um, just quite marvelous, really. So those are all the things that I really liked. I'm sure there's so many more we could talk about. But for sake of brevity, let's jump ahead to what I didn't like. And truth is, it's kind of a short list. I didn't particularly... I thought the movie was maybe a little long. I wouldn't necessarily cut anything. I think it's more down to the screenwriting level. Also, the movie has a lot of plot. Maybe too much plot. And some of it's kind of confusing. I was trying to remember some of it this morning. Going, wait, well, this led to that, what led to that, and, and this and that, and, and it became a little convoluted. So I think I would say that the plot is a little bit too convoluted in the movie. Um, now, mind you, these are not major complaints. These are just minor. 
minor things that I thought I would point out. Um, so I did feel it was a little long and the plot was a little confusing. Um, I do feel the ending climax of the movie, and maybe it's just me, but felt a little out of nowhere. Uh, now, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to really spoil the movie. I just thought that there, there's something that happens at the climax, near the climax of the movie. That is actually pretty interesting, but it would have been interesting to see it foreshadowed in some way. Or a plant, so that it could be paid off, you know, like a plant and pay off. Um, but there was some interesting elements in here of the Riddler going to social media to spread his ideas. And gaining some rather, uh, some followers who, let's just say, were willing to do what he asked of them. Kind of the dangers of, of social media, I think. And that I liked. Uh, the other part, I felt, I felt was a little out of nowhere, but, you know, um, I also felt that there were moments, and there were there were just a few moments where the music was really, really pumped up, maybe higher than it needed to be. Um, that's just a minor complaint where it felt like maybe it was trying to tell the story for us. So that, that's just a minor thing, but really, it's it's the only complaints really I have that are that the plot is maybe a little too complicated. That the movie is a little too long, and that the end, at least to me, felt the climax felt like it could have used maybe a little bit more foreshadowing. Um, and I would say that the That, that those are really my biggest complaints. I really don't have any other major grievances. Um, other than I was a little bit confused as to what Catwoman's M.O. was. What was she doing? And we see her. Well, we see her trying to, you know, do some burglary. But I'm trying to figure out sort of what was she doing before she met Batman. I'm a little bit, a little bit lost on that. So anyhow, uh, those are the things that I didn't like. They're not very many, really. I know that others disagree. There have been some strong opinions online. I can only speak to what I observed. And those are my thoughts on what I didn't like. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll do some last-minute things, and we'll be out of here. See you in a minute. Okay, we are back. That was a word about our sponsor. Okay, um, let us get toward the end here 
Let me talk about where I would rank it in Batman movies. Ah. Now, The Dark Knight is and will probably always be. Maybe not always, but probably. My favorite Batman film. I'm not talking about the entire Nolan Batman trilogy. I'm talking about just specifically The Dark Knight. At the moment, at the moment, The Batman may be my second favorite Batman film of all time. Maybe. I've only seen the once. At the, but at the moment, I think it is. And, um, but we definitely should also mention probably my top Batman films are this, in order, going from top to bottom. Top five probably are The Dark Knight, The Batman, um, Mask of the Phantasm, Batman 1989, and, ooh. Well, you know what? I can't honestly say with number five, but those are the four. And so The Batman, yeah, at the moment, is my second favorite Batman film. There is word that this is going to be the first in a trilogy. Um, I don't know exactly how that's going to work. I'll have to do some more research on that. I think definitely could use sequels. Um, not that it needs them, but it would actually be kind of fun. And rumors about a spin-off television series for HBO Max. I will have to do some more research on this. Um, I'm reading the Wikipedia article right now. Yeah, so we shall see how that goes. So, uh, there's really not much more I can say about this movie. Other than, please go see it. Um, for those who are wondering, there's not a lot of strong language. Not really. Okay, there is one use of the F word. It's near the beginning of the film. The current police commissioner says it. There might be one or two uses of other words, but I think that overall the language is, other than that one F bomb, really isn't, the language isn't as strong. It's not really any stronger than you might get in a, an MCU film. The violence is actually, there's a lot of, you know, fight scenes, but there, there are moments of real gruesome um, murders and acts of violence, but you don't really see a lot of the blood. So anyone squeamish at that, even though this is very much a 
like a serial killer police procedural movie, you don't really see a lot of blood, even though there are some horrendous acts of violence that are hinted at. Uh, so just throwing that out there. But I think that this is a incredible Batman film that is definitely worthy to be up there for me um, up near the top. And I hope that if they, if they do make sequels, that they are just as good. So this movie was a long wait, but it was absolutely worth it. So those are my thoughts on the Batman. Uh, for those of you who have seen it, let me know your thoughts. And those of you who haven't, I would say, please go see it. It is quite good. All right, folks. I am the knight. My name is Brendan Marr. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. Thank you for tuning in to Page Turners They Were Not, my Star Wars podcast. Where today we didn't do anything Star Wars. We reviewed Batman. As I said, though, same composer and same cinematographer as Rogue One, so... There's your Star Wars connection. But, you know, you never said thank you, and you'll never need to. Bye.